G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Yesterday I had all black on and we always do black and gold. And we're walking to the ring. MVP turns to me and he goes, so you're doing all black today? No black and gold? I said, we're going to get the gold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and it simply just doesn't get much bigger than this. This might be the most colossal episode of After the Bell since its inception. I say that without hyperbole. I am jacked up. I am fired up. I am stoked about what is going on in the WWE universe. Here to help guide you through this little tour de force, the voice of NXT, Vic Joseph. Vic, how are you feeling, my friend? I'm super excited, and I get more excited when you get excited because I've been around you enough that you don't get excited for many things. That's the absolute truth. Good beer and vacation time, and you don't get a lot of vacation time because you're always working. Absolutely. So when I wake (laughs) up on a Tuesday morning uh, ready to record ATB like we've been doing, and we have got way too much to talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, we can literally sit here and spend hours chatting about the state of WWE as we barrel toward fast lane on the road to WrestleMania, which is just creeping up on us each and every day. But when you wake up and you've got a brand new WWE champion from Monday Night Raw, Bobby Lashley, Vic, what was your instant reaction? You know, what What a I can't recall the last time the championship changed hands on Monday Night Raw off the top of my head. Someone maybe will have an answer for I'm it. I'm sure but, we'll have notes. People will be tweeting us. Yeah, you guys are idiots. But right. is to to see that, that's a monumental moment, not just for the man who won the title, not just for the story that he had, but to have that moment on Monday Night Raw. And again, much like we've talked about Elimination Chamber, another wrench thrown in on the road to WrestleMania. That's what makes this the most exciting part of the year. I agree. I would love to somehow figure out how to harness the energy, the WrestleMania road energy, and make it last 365 days a year. I know that's not possible, but that's like right now, within a matter of a few weeks and a few twists and turns, WrestleMania is starting to take shape. It's just in its infancy right now, and it's already massive. Roman Reigns versus Edge. We find out it looks like we're going to get Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. Uh, You've got Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The Raw Women's Championship is still up in the air, undecided. And now we've got a brand new WWE champion who, barring catastrophe at Fastlane, is likely to be Bobby Lashley. And he's headed to WrestleMania. And you think about every single thing from, from Raw to SmackDown. I mean, even even on NXT, the WWE tag team titles are going to be defended. Uh, you, you know, th- that could change the complexion of the women's division. And there's just so much stuff going on. But the headline right now, the almighty Bobby Lashley. And it was quite a night leading up to the culmination of Bobby Lashley being crowned WWE champion. Obviously, at the beginning of the night, the, the ultimatum is issued. He's got an hour. Miz with his shenanigans delays things multiple times. But what I think is in danger of being lost in the shuffle, how about Drew McIntyre returning and going one-on-one with Sheamus and these two dudes just beating the holy (sighs) out of each other? 
Yeah, we talk about Fastlane. We talk about WrestleMania. These two put on a match you could put on any pay-per-view. I mean, it was that good. It was it was that real. It was two guys who care so much about their craft going out there on Monday Night Raw one-on-one. It, it was absolutely amazing. There's an old uh, adage, if you will, in the business that the better friends you are with somebody, the harder you hit them in the ring. It's just kind of an understanding. You beat the hell out of your best friends, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, friends for decades, uh, all coming to a to a head on Monday Night Raw. Give me more of that. That was awesome. It was just, it was old school. It was ugly. It looked like a fight. Uh, I could have watched those guys go e- even longer. And, and taking a step back for me, the thread throughout the whole night too. I mean, you talked about the Miz and his shenanigans. Would you want to get in the ring and stare across and look at Bobby Lashley with the WWE Championship on the line? He knew he was going to get, as you said, the, the, the feet out of him. It, I, he was smart. In a, in a weird way, it felt to me, and, and I don't necessarily, I, I can't say it that it was exactly the same, but it okay. had notes, it had hints, it had little bits of feeling to me as a fan watching Monday Night Raw of the night that Goldberg won the WCW championship on Nitro at the Georgia Dome because he had to beat Scott Hall first. But you knew, you just knew in your guts that if Goldberg got his hands on Hulk Hogan, he was winning the title. And they made you wait all night and you were salivating. And then there were times where you thought, oh, maybe it's not going to happen. But it was an emotional roller coaster. And then Goldberg takes down Hogan. Granted, The Miz was not uh, as as hated as Hollywood Hogan was. It, it Maybe not on the magnitude of that. Mm-hmm. But it, the vibe felt very similar to me. I see what you're saying. And then the payoff at the end of the night, you got a brand new WWE champion, Lashley, who just looks like money. Because you can't tell me that someone wasn't sitting there when Miz started cutting, like, well, let's do this at WrestleMania. Let's go to the mark. Oh, that's how he's going to weasel out of it. And then, nope, the match happens, and then it's he's running away. Oh, they're going to get it. It's going to go to fast lane. People kept, nah, but it, it was awesome. It was that thread that you just mentioned that made it a special, fun moment. I, I and enjoyed Raw, Overall. I enjoyed Raw as a whole, start to finish, Uh, More than I have in quite some time last night. And uh, before I delve down a rabbit hole of my love for Bad Bunny as a part of the WWE Universe, how much (laughs) I enjoy Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, I could pontificate about that all day long. But alas, there's no time, Vic, because he's here. It is my honor and privilege. It is our honor and privilege to welcome to After the Bell the brand new WWE champion, Bobby Lashley. 17 plus years in the making Bobby Lashley you are finally WWE champion how did it feel when you woke up this morning (laughs) I haven't went to sleep (laughs) (laughs) you know um after it was over it was it was it was a lot man it was a lot I, I really couldn't grasp and bring everything in it was like a tremendous amount of emotion it was you know, when you're, when you're working, you always think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and sometimes you, you forget that there's a light at the end of the tunnel while you're, while you're just drudging away. And last night it happened and I rose my hand out there in the ring and it just kind of like just hit me. And from then, you know, I went with the boys who we always go after Monday nights. We go out and have some chicken wings and have a couple of drinks and then joke and just kind of like figure out what the next step is. And we stayed there all night and it was just talking about how this all came together. You know, it's, um, it's been crazy. My phone's been ringing off the hook all night, all morning, all day, um, from Facebook to Instagram and, 
and family, friends, guys I wrestle with in college, guys that I've fought with, trained with. Everybody's been hitting me up, and it's it's crazy, man, the amount of love that I've been receiving because of this title. It's one of those things, like I said before, it's like sometimes you have to believe in somebody else's belief in you. And um, a lot of people had belief in me that I didn't even know. We might not know uh, a name, but who was the most surprising person to you that reached out to you, whether it was last night, whether it was this morning, whether it's something you even haven't gotten back? Who was the one that you're like, wow, that got me? There there have been so many. Um, I can't even say one particular person because uh, there was like everyone, um, guys that I've I wrestled with in college. Um, Peter Arntz, he's um, a kickboxer. He me and him did a tag match in Japan one time. He posted a picture and, and uh, he was like, man, my old tag buddy, which was cool to me from, you know, from my martial arts background and loving martial arts. And, and he was probably one of the best kickboxers ever. Um, it was cool to have a, have a message from him. But then there were so many other people, um, you know, some people that I worked with before, just across the board. I've, I, my, my phone hasn't stopped ringing, so I can't say one particular person. You mentioned the Hurt Business, MVP in particular. How much has it meant having those guys around for Bobby Lashley's career since basically the beginning of the Hurt Business, and here you are literally at the top of the business? It's 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 amazing. I mean, MVP, uh, me and MVP have a lot of history together. <laughs> We're like those brothers that fight all the time. Like, <laughs> we agree on a whole bunch of things, and we disagree on a bunch of things. But the one thing that we do agree on is is – what we love to do, man. We love to be out there. We love to put on a show. We love to fight. We love everything about what we're doing right now. And it's just been amazing. So having him by my side, man, it's been really a cool experience. When he first came back last year, he, he had said, you know, I just want to come back one time so that my son can see me on the, on the big stage because his son's younger. So he, he was able to do the Royal Rumble. And then after that, man, the wheels started turning and I approached him. I was like, bro, let me tell you this idea. I said, I wish I could pull it off, but it's not me but it's you. It's like, there's a mix between like Suge Knight. Yes. Don King, I'm, I'm so and then the glad player that. on the, on the rock and the player mix all those characters together. That's him. <laughs> I, I love, I, I was thinking about it. And I don't know why it didn't become so glaring until last night, but when you came to the ring looking like a machine ready to tear somebody limb from limb and MVP, I know he's hurt, but the fact he limped out there with that cane and the suit and the gold. And I was like, man, he looks like a, like an old school boxing promoter or like a true <laughs> manager. And it added this cool other dimension to Bobby Lashley. Hey, here's an idea. Let's let Lashley be a badass. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> what an idea. Huh? <laughs> I think somebody told me in the locker room that, you know, a few months back, you know, actually at the PC, <laughs> you came to me and said something about that. I did. I, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad that held, held some water with Lashley. It was it was mid pandemic. Vic, I don't even know if you know this. When we were doing the shows at the Performance Center each and every week, and and Lashley was there, but kind of I don't want to say floundering, but you weren't necessarily doing what you wanted to be doing. You weren't in the spotlight at that moment. And I said, man, I'm telling anybody who will listen, let me talk for Bobby Lashley. Let me be the manager. Let let Bobby beat people up. So it wasn't me. So, but, but hypothetically, I could have been managing a WWE champion right now, which would have been a hell of a an accolade. It would have been a cool experience. Hey, it was MVP. Sure. I think he wears. He, he looks. He looks great in the suit with you, man. Man, we've had fun with that. You know, and and he came with the cane. That's what and I mean. The cane Sheldon added so much. I was saying it too. Sheldon, Sheldon sent a tweet because we have we have text messages in a little group between a little our her business and and Sheldon 
he texted it and no one said anything. And Cedric kind of like laughed about it, but LOL. And I was like, man, if you don't do the cane, I'm doing the cane because the cane is so, <laughs> was so I love the idea of the cane. It and then he so came good. in yesterday and he was holding the cane. And I was like, I told you. It's so good. I love everything about it. Yeah, cool. Watching it back, Bobby, thinking about it now, knowing the story when right before the match happened, he has his cane, he's walking, he grabs a microphone. He's like, no, ring the bell, do it now. I'm thinking, like, what? <laughs> this is too perfect right now. And then he like gets out. I thought he almost slipped. But then I realized the cane and the knee injury. And then he gets out of the ring and Miz is scared and then just got the hell kicked out of him. But I mean, it was it was cool now knowing the story more of that. Man, you know what? And having to take it from Miz, the way that it was done yesterday, I was I liked, I enjoyed it. It was fun, man. I, I just before you got on the on the call here, I compared it to the night that Goldberg beat Hogan for the championship. In that it was just anticipation, and there was doubt yeah. all night. You didn't know if it was going to happen, but you yeah. knew if Bobby got his hands on the Miz, it was going to end badly. It was going to end badly. <laughs> but you know what? You know what I was thinking too, because a lot of my friends, they were like, "Man, we're gonna we're gonna support you." We're all like, they were all getting ready for it. So a lot of people kind of followed it, and they all said, "Man, they were like, it's cool, man." They. They enjoyed it and they and they loved the fact of grabbing a hold of Miz and just ripping him apart. So um, <laughs> it was cool, man. Um, I enjoyed everything, and and you know I'm I'm never a person to put down on anybody, and I I think Miz is I think Miz is incredible. Man. I agree, man. I think Miz is is one of the most underrated talents we've got in WWE. A guy who who, who is his job is to be obnoxious and annoying and want you to pay money to see him get beat up. <laughs> Yes. So job well done. <laughs> no one's better at it. And he's, and he's everything about it. And I mean, there were some parts here where we had a, a little extra time. They were like, Miz just grabbed the mic and he just starts going. And he was just playing into the character so much and he, he gets it. And, and that's why he's so successful. They asked me in an interview last week, they were like, you know, some people have their doubts about Miz being the champion, this, that, and the other. And, and I was like, ah, I said, and, and some people don't like Miz. I said, well, if they don't like Miz, they're probably jealous. Because if you read any of the reports online, I think Miz just bought like a six or seven million dollar house. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Maurice is gorgeous. He has a gorgeous yeah. wife, great family. Yeah. He has a, a few different, he has a reality show. He has a game show. He, he's been, he's doing movies and he's the only two-time triple crowner. I mean, I'll take any one of those. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, nothing, nothing to be ashamed of at all, man. If you don't it's, like Miz, you have a little bit of jealousy in you. I Graves, so it, I, I'm a fan of Miz. I Graves, has it, haven't you said Graves? It's it's a novel concept. You wanna you have a guy on television that's being the bad guy, the heel, and you want to pay money to see him get his ass kicked, but yet you're <laughs> making fun of him online. It's kind of like Bobby Lashley, make him into a monster, make him into an ass kicker. Like he's gonna go out there and destroy people. Like these are novel concepts, right? You know, right. that's that's what makes me laugh when Graves says them. Bobby, I want to ask you a question. We've got we've got Apollo Cruz on the show a little bit later, and Apollo is a guy who just recently is start, starting to find himself on the SmackDown roster, seeing a bit well, of a, a new uh, side of Apollo, so to speak. As somebody who has been through this business, been through the ringer multiple times, you've had ups, you've had downs. As, as recently as about a year ago, you've been part of some some uh, let's say some stories that were less than desirable. Uh, <laughs> but here you are. Fast forward. How did how have you kept your head on straight and kept striving and driving to the point where you overcame these hurdles and now you are on top of the mountain. You know what? I, I think the conversation that I had with you last time when we did this podcast, yeah. um, it was, I was, I was spitballing some things and I was talking, but I was talking for real. But then yes. when I looked back at it and I listened to it, I was like, 
you need to start paying attention to some of the things that you're saying, because <laughs> I don't think like I came back and I was like, you know what? There's nothing that they can make me do on TV that I'm going to hate. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I'm a character on TV. If, if, if I got to beat up my sisters, I'm going to beat up my sisters on TV. <laughs> if I got to mess up rock and Robin on TV, then that's, what's going to happen. And I said, I said, you know what? There was a lot of people that kind of clowned me when I did that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? If I was watching TV and I saw this big Jack black dude singing rock and Robin, and then he messed it up, <laughs> I would laugh too, bro. Right. So I can't fault you for laughing at me for the things that I did because it's comical. So I don't take myself seriously, man. I just know that I can only control the things that I can control. At that point, I was like, you know what? The one thing that I can control is my appearance, being in shape, being ready for whatever they throw at me. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I've been doing. And for Apollo, a cool thing about Apollo, before I even came back, Apollo hit me up. I, I didn't even know Apollo, but he hit me, he gave me a DM. And he was like, hey, man, I got a couple of questions to ask you. And he was like, you know, did you ever get frustrated when you were here? And I was like, man, I said, listen, bro, this, you're talking to a man that's not in and that wants to get in. So you're in the greatest place that you can be right now. And you're an amazing talent. And that's something that cannot be denied. So just stay there, man. Maybe it's not your time right now. Eat catering, have a good time. Whenever you have an opportunity to get out there, do the best you can. And you won't be denied because you're incredible. And this is how it takes time sometimes. When I came back in, I was like, you know, you could put me and have me beat Roman and go after Brock and then do main event matches. Or you can make me pay and suffer and, and pay some dues. I don't mind doing either. And that's what I told him. Don't mind it, man. Anytime you get an opportunity to get that that chance to get in the ring and, and show what you have, just do it. And then when you do it, they'll find a place for you. And then keep bugging them. Tell them you'll do this. You want to do this. You want to do this. Keep throwing things at them because maybe sooner or later something will stick. But the greatest thing that you have going for you is how talented you are and how much respect everybody has for you. That won't be denied. You're going to eventually be in a big, big position. So stick in there, man. And that's what I told him. So when I got in and I had an opportunity to work with him, I was like, man, Paul is a cool dude, man. He's a really cool dude. And I, what I was telling him before, when we started the Hurt Business, we wanted Apollo first because I was like, man, you know what, Paula, you need that, man. You, you're too pretty. You're too nice. We like you too much. You gotta be hated, bro. Put in a custom, custom. <laughs> you gotta be reaction. hated. You gotta have some grit. We we tell Cedric, we like Cedric, be as dirty as you can, and Cedric is dirty. <laughs> All of needs that too, man. Well, I, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you haven't slept because that's the <laughs> uh, that's the nature of becoming WWE champion. Nonstop media flights across the country, and uh, all just to tell everybody. Uh, you know, how you're feeling, what your thoughts are. I know we're still a little bit of a ways away, but WrestleMania is on the horizon. For all intents and purposes, barring any catastrophe for Bobby Lashley, you are going to defend the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. I am. I know that's a little bit ahead of, you know, where we are right now, but off the top of your head, give me some options. Who's standing across the ring? Well, mine is I want I want to fight Drew. Okay, Drew's been on a tear. You guys, you guys tore it up last year, it was right, right at the beginning of the the pandemic when you guys. I, I forgive me, I don't remember the pay per view, but I was there in the building watching you guys beat the living hell out of each other. Yes, and it was fun. 
<laughs> and and Drew is Drew is right there. I think Drew's right in the line. You know, we just took the title off of him, and Drew had an amazing run. Great champion. But um, I think I'm the man to legitimize him. He's been looking for it this entire year. Oh, all right. Beating Goldberg, beating everyone else, but he hadn't beaten me. He know he hadn't beaten me. And that's what makes it fun. I mean, because everybody looks at us as like, man, Bobby's the champion, and man, Drew's been on a tear. Who wins this matchup? I love it, man. I love it. You you said the word legitimacy, and that was the first thing that was going through my mind last night when I saw you holding the title above your head, MVP in the ring with you, all the pomp and circumstance, and knowing how you arrived to the Thunderdome, no doubt, <laughs> dressed to the nines, I went, that's a world champion. That's my world champion right there, man. I, I just want to take a second, personally, as your friend and as a fan, to just tell you how proud and happy I am for you and your success. Thank you, man. I tell you, I, I, I wear it. I wear it proud. When I come in, I mean, the suits and everything, that is an image of the Hurt Business, but I'm proud of everything that's going on, man. I'm happy about it. The whole Hurt Business, where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older athlete and I'm still able to compete with the young guys and do it at a very high level. I'm proud of everything that's going on right now, man. Nearly two decades in, man, just like Graves said, hats off to you and you know, last night was really, you know, or Monday night was really cool for me sitting as a fan, not a part of Raw, to sit there and go, whoa, what a moment. So that was that was awesome, and congratulations. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And one other thing, where is Brock? Is anybody saying anything about that? <laughs> That's like, <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> now maybe I have something you want. <laughs> you know. Last time you talked about him here on ATB, it, it's uh, caught fire on the interwebs. We are happy to... Uh, throw that out into the collective consciousness of the world because still somewhere secretly in my back, but not so secretly. I said it last week, last week. Yeah. <laughs> That's still, I'm still hoping for that one somewhere down the line. I yes. just, I just hope for my own personal sake that Bobby, you hold on to the WWE championship long enough to face Brock Lesnar, whether that's at WrestleMania or SummerSlam or in 2023, on Just a random don't raw. Deny me of that match. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, I'll come to some high school gymnasium, even if but neither of you are with WWE anymore. I'm ready. I just want to see that. I, just, I, I, I want to be under 50 before it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. The ball is in Brock's court. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it would it would be incredible for um run a triple threat. That'd be a triple threat that I'd be interested in too. Brock, Drew, and Lashley. It's a lot of beef in that ring. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody might not make it out of there. Oh man, I'm salivating now, sitting over here, and I, like I, I don't even know what to say. I'm literally speechless. One time, Graves, that I'm sure you're very happy about. Well, hey, if you take a few notes from what happens with Friday's champion, Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, he knows how to throw his weight around and get what he wants and get what he asks for. Maybe, uh, maybe Bobby and the Hurt Business should follow suit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're owed a few favors too. I love it. You know, a cool thing, and, and I was, and I just thought about this, um, and I was trying to get MVP about it because we were walking to the ring. Yesterday, I had all black on, and we always do black and gold, and we're walking to the ring. MVP turns to me, and he goes, so you're doing all black today, no black and gold? I said, we're going to get the gold. Oh. <laughs> I just had to throw that out. I, had to pop I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> That's good stuff. Is Mission he going to keep the cane? I, I just want an ATB exclusive. Is he keeping the cane, like, permanently? Man, he's got to keep the cane. He's got to keep I, it. I told him he should keep it. He said he wanted to get a different head on the on the cane, but he definitely wanted to keep it. I mentioned that in the merchandise section, I the may MVP or may canes. Not have a cane that has a cobra head on top of it. And if you unscrew it, there's a sword inside. Just Bro. saying. Just putting that out. 
<laughs> you MVP, want MVP to go to the ring with a sword? MVP's got my number. Tell, tell him to hit me up. Hey, you know, you, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, go enjoy your uh, the fruits of your labor, your victory lap, if you will. Maybe catch a few hours of sleep because the work is just getting started, my friend. I got a treadmill in my dining room. I'm about to go for a little jog. Hell yes, my <laughs> man. WWE champion, Bobby Lashley. See you, champ. Thank you, guys. Time travel to fun in the 16th century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Man, that was fun. What, what a, he is one of my favorite human beings walking the planet. I cannot express how much of a fan of Bobby Lashley, the competitor and the man I am. So happy for his success. He's such a good dude when he gets into the locker room, but he's also so scary at the same time because right. you know he's joking with you, but if you ha-ha one too many, you might end up through a locker or a wall. Yes. You know, that's a fine that's line a you very, have to toe. Very real possibility at any given time. You know, but he's, he's always... Uh, He's always very knowledgeable and and something I took away from what he just said, granted what his WrestleMania plans are. What about what he had to say about Apollo Crews, you, you, you know, and where Apollo could be and, and things like that? Well, listen, based off the conversation, I know Apollo is excited for his future. I'm sure he will take the advice given by Bobby Lashley to heart. But what better time than the present, Vic, to uh, present the ATB faithful with our chat that we were able to catch up with Friday Night SmackDown's Apollo Crews. We just had the opportunity to talk to the new WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, who finally made it to the top of the mountain. I feel like finally is a good word we're going to use a lot in this interview with our guest, the newly minted, true-to-himself Apollo Crews. Apollo, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Corey. How you doing, brother? Fantastic, fantastic. We got Vic on the line here, but the less he says, the better. He just gets in the way. <laughs> I, I like Vic's the, Vic's the homie, man. I can't. <laughs> that's what. Now that's the clip we need to cut to put out on social media. Someone finally giving me praise. Unlike Grace, I appreciate that one. You and I have chatted, maybe not to the depth that you and Vic have chatted in the past about your very unique upbringing and path to even get your foot in the door of the sports entertainment business. And I don't think the world has really had a chance to know. What shaped Apollo pre wrestling business? Man, it's uh, it's it's almost one of those things like where where do you start? You know what I mean? Or where do I start? Uh, born in Sacramento, California, to Nigerian parents. Uh, my parents didn't get over here until I believe like 1983. So, um, well, I am first generation American. Uh, you know, siblings. I have uh, three other siblings. Man, it's uh, <laughs> my upbringing. I don't think was like you know a lot of people that I've. Uh, I've uh, encountered, or I don't think a lot of people understand why I'm the way I am. And it's, it's a lot to do with the way I was brought up. Um, I, my dad was, when he, when we were younger, he worked at the United Nations. So he started off with the CDC um, when he came over here from Nigeria. And before he got over here, he had all his uh, qualifications. You know, my dad, one of the smartest, one of the smartest men I know, uh, our relationship is, uh, is growing. Um, I never, uh, we never were really that close. Uh, and um, now that I'm older, I kind of understand a lot, a lot better. You know, when I was a kid, it just kind of holding a grudge against him and just like, oh, man, I wish my dad was like this. I wish my dad is like that. I kind of wished uh, we were closer growing up, but uh, we're working on that now. So it's, it's, it's really cool to 
to experience that because uh, I'd see other kids with their fathers and how they were. And um, I kind of, I was envious, you know what I mean? It was sure. like, uh, I never went to my dad for advice or, oh, dad, I like this girl or how do I go about this? We never really communicated like that. Uh, I think his upbringing was so different than mine, you know, growing up in Nigeria. So, uh, and as a parent, you know, it's, it's a learning experience every day. You're not going to have it right. There's going to be things that you do wrong. You're learning every day, no matter how old your kids get. I, you know, I'm 33 now and I'm sure my dad is still trying to figure out how to be a dad and my mom's still trying to figure out how to be a mom. Um, and having kids of my own now, I kind of see uh, how, why he was the way he was in certain areas, you know, it, it uh, makes more sense to you after all these years to be yeah. back in hindsight when maybe at the moment it wasn't, the you don't understand it. You're just like, why right. is he not like this? You know what I mean? So, uh, Sacramento from Sacramento, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. He, he got a job with the CDC. Um, and, uh, I was there till about six years old. And then from there, we moved to, um, Uganda and, uh, or Kenya actually, sorry, in, in Africa, which a huge culture shock, you know, you go from, you know, United States, to to africa and it's like uh, i don't know anybody here <laughs> stark <laughs> you know, contrast it's, it's it's huge difference it's just okay here here you are in school and it's it's and it's funny because my son just started daycare and I'm, I'm i'm seeing him kind of well, every day we drop him off and he's just crying every day he's going in there it's it's been about a week now and he still just hasn't got used to that feeling of of the separation you know when he's there he's having fun but you realize it's something that we deal with our whole life. So it's just like, okay, here we are in this new place and we're going to just drop you here. And it's kind of like, okay, I don't know anybody. I don't, I've never been here. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, so we stayed there for about three years. Then we moved to uh, Uganda and uh, stayed there another three years. And then at that time, my parents had separated. I remember that day, like it was yesterday, we go to, my mom had left to Nigeria to visit some family with my little sister. She was a baby at the time. You know, I don't even think she was one yet. And she, we go to the airport to pick her up on the day she's supposed to be back. And she just doesn't get off the flight. And, you know, we're kind of like, oh you know, where, where is she? And, I, and, you know, now you grow old and I realized that they were having their issues, you know, sure. and at the time, of course, I didn't, I didn't understand that. So, um, you know, uh, my dad got in contact and with some people in Nigeria and they said that she had, you know, just <laughs> came to Atlanta, you know, with my sister. And I guess she just had enough. She was like, I, I got to get out of this and I'm, I'm going to move. So. Um, it, it hurt because at that time, all I knew was my parents being together and it's like, okay, now they're separated and, uh, on a different side like, of the world. I mean, that, that's different side of the world. It's compounded it's, exponentially. What were some of the culture shocks you had to deal with? I mean, obviously we've got limited access to what we, we know and learn and have these preconceived notions of what Uganda yeah. must be like, or what Ghana yeah. is like, what were some firsthand experiences that you had that you can recall that were like, Whoa, man. For me, uh, I was only like six, so you didn't, I didn't really have any uh, expectations. I didn't have any crazy expectations, you know. Um, and you get over there and you realize, like, okay, it's, it's, it's very modern. It's not like what you would you think that you would see in a movie or, you know, what people yeah. would say. Like, my, the, for me, coming back over here was, was a harder adjustment than actually moving over there because, like, it's like, you know, the first thing you tell kids, I'm, I'm from Africa, my parents are Nigerian, and, and I'm getting made fun of. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, African booty scratcher or whatever. And that adjustment for me was was harder. And, it, and it's funny because that's why it was so hard for me to embrace that side of my life, because at the time I cared too much what people think or too much people thought about me. You know, so it's it was hard to uh, embrace that and really be uh, really be passionate about it. You know, I was like, I, I didn't want to. Kids are cruel. You know, and it, dealing with that was weird for me because I was like growing up in 
in Kenya and Uganda, people are so open-minded because the schools went to, you had people from all over the world, you know, and you right. didn't deal with uh, certain things that they, that, that, that I'd had to deal with when I, when I moved back over here. So it was just, it was weird. And I didn't understand why people were the way they were. So, so that's something you had to deal with uh, as a child, yeah. despite being born here and, and being American. Yeah. <laughs> because you lived elsewhere and were raised elsewhere, you were treated differently because of that. Yeah. That's- yeah. And it, it, it was high school too, where it was like, uh, you know, a big part of, um, a big time, well, a big part of what I think would mold uh, the person who I became to be. You know what I mean? So it's it was. Uh, I, I didn't understand why it was like that. Um, so it, for me, it was. Uh, I, I wish that I had the mentality I have now, where you know you just don't care about what people think, or you know, you go to realize that those things don't matter. But at the time, it, it felt like it meant everything to me. You know, like high school is is the, is the, is everything at that time, and it's like people love you, but it's still like at the time. To- at the same time, it's like. You know, I, I, it was hard for me to embrace those African roots because of what people would say, you know, so that, that was, right, it, was like this, that. it was hard to be proud of. Where yeah. You, of yeah. That. You know, it, it was hard. And I just wish I look back and I wish that I just didn't, I didn't care what anybody thought, <laughs> you know, I've always been like, uh, just like soft-spoken, um, laid back kind of guy. And, uh, it's funny because what we do, it's, it, you're, you're put on the spot and, you know, you're on, you're on right. TV, national TV. So it, it was an adjustment for me, but I, I love anytime it's time to perform whether it was sports growing up or, or anything like that. Like I, I love being that at that time, I love being the center of attention because I knew I was going to shine in that area. But when it was like, if we're in a, a large group of people, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind just kind of, you know, not just sort of blended in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind not really being the center of attention. That was any, never anything I really cared for. It, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's up to this day. I still feel like that. So. You know, with everything, everything you just said, because some of that stuff was really eye-opening, you know, the, the stories you just told about being separated. How, how did everything through your childhood and high school, as you just mentioned, really mold who the man is, who you became? Well, so first, I went to a private school. My dad was, uh, and that's another thing about my father, is he was, uh, provided us with everything that we needed. It wasn't, um, there was never a day where, you know, we were hungry or we had to, we, we were wondering where our next meal was coming from. He worked extremely hard to take care of us. And he did that, you know, and he may, we may have lost a connection. We may have not built that friendship, but he took care of us. And that's one thing. Uh, no matter, no matter what, I, you know, he, I respect him and I've learned from him from that is like, you got to do what you have to do to take care of your family. You know what I mean? And that's what he did. And he worked from the time we woke up to the you know time we brought to go to bed. We really didn't see him because he was working. And, and you look back at it and you realize that he was working to take care of his family. That I, I'm very you know, appreciative of. Uh, but um, it, it was just, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. And it's, just, it's crazy to, to think that I was wor- <laughs> so worried because I am now. It's like, you know, people say stuff and I'm like, oh, whatever, I don't care. And I just wish, I, I, I wish at that time that I had the same mentality. But how do you teach a kid not to care about what people think? You know, you, you can't especially when in that environment, I don't know anybody who you could all say, Oh, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I think everybody in high school says that, but nobody can actually believe it because that's just, that's part of the human condition. It is right. And at the, and you think that high school is the end of the world. You don't realize that you have so much more life after that. You know, it's like these four years of everything. You're simultaneously <laughs> trying to stand out, but fit in figure yourself out. Like, right. Is it's funny when you look back, everybody looks back at high school fondly. Cause you remember the, usually the best parts of it. Right. Man. Do you realize how awesome high school would have been if I had the knowledge I have now, oh my but God. nobody I, does. I, so it's, <laughs> nobody does. you know what I mean? Like you, you think back, man, I would do high school really great now. 
Yeah. I would I would have all the girls and I would yeah. ace all the classes <laughs> and I would have the best car. But no one's actually there. at the time you just don't, yeah, you don't, you can't, you don't have the knowledge, you know what I mean? It's like in the life experience at that time, you know. So it's it's totally the coolest kids in school are usually just the best fakers. That's it. And then you see them and you see later, like in those kids that or bullies or those kids that were, you know, the cool guys in school end up not really doing too much after. And then, sure. you know, someone who's uh, who was bullied or someone who, you know, wasn't one of the coolest kids in school ends up being like, a, you know, a successful engineer or a doctor or whatever or a pro wrestler. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. And now I have like uh, someone on my Facebook the other day, one of his coworkers had his one of my action figures on his desk. And, and you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, it's it's crazy. I went to high school. With this guy, and he's seeing my coworker with <laughs> my action figure yeah. on his desk. And I'm like, how crazy is that? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's still surreal from time to time. It, it is. It is. Um, Riverside Military Academy, I think that actually helped mold me into private school, all boys. Uh, my dad was a huge believer in the private school system. And uh, I think uh, that environment kind of helped me um, mold me into the man that I am today. Were you, were you like a troubled kid at all? Did you need that extra guidance or did it just... That's no, true. not at all. I, I don't, I never, I didn't cause too much trouble. I think it was more, uh, my focus. I just never was, uh, too focused on, on school. You know, it was, I think that was my dad. Cause he, education was what got him out of, you know, was it, what was what helped him move to the United States and build right. his family here. Uh, if he didn't have that education, you know, he, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Um, that was his, uh, you know, his, he would tell me he walked, he would walk miles to school every day. Uh, he wore the same underwear every day and he'd have to wash it every day. He came home for school, but he would study so hard. And, uh, you know, that's what really allowed us to be able to live the lives that we're living today. And, uh, so I think it was just more of, um, getting the best education possible, you know, even though I didn't take full advantage of that. Um, it was just his idea of, you know, I'm going to set my, I'm going to do everything I can to set my children up for success. So, um, I do thank him for that all the time. So you mentioned about how you gravitated toward athletics uh, growing up to sort of try to fit in. What sort of sports did you play pre-wrestling world? So uh, This one will surprise you. I was uh, a soccer player. <laughs> that was actually oh, yeah? my main, yeah, my main, uh, my main sport. I think growing up in, in Africa for a good part of my life kind of led me to that. And my dad was always a huge soccer fan. So I played soccer. And uh, when I moved back here, I kind of got into football a little bit. I wasn't, you know, that great. I never was able to uh, just get a grasp on again, low and uh, just, just, I never was able to, to, to just get a grasp on the game. I, I, I thought I was always good at everything, but football was just something that I was never able to, to master, I guess you could say. And then I, I wrestled for a little bit in high school and uh, I ran track and uh, threw discus and shot put as well. So soccer was my main sport. And I think about up to the time I was like 16, I was like, okay, I want to be a pro soccer player, but you don't realize like it, it, it takes a lot, you know, you think you're good. And then you realize that in the grand yeah. scheme of things, you're not really that not good. good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I was good at high school, but I don't think I was good enough to play, to play past high school. So, um, uh, wrestling was, I was always a fan of wrestling ever since I was young. Like I, I, as far as I can remember, I don't even remember the age, but it's funny. Cause my dad used to watch wrestling, um, when we were younger. And it was like, you know, Ultimate Warrior, Undertaker, you know, uh, those are the first two guys I, I, I really remember seeing on TV as a kid. And it was just like, I'm, I'm amazed. It was, one time in Uganda, we actually did get to go to a, a, a live wrestling show. And I think uh, it was Abdullah the Butcher. And uh, I want to say, um, I think it was King Kong Bundy. Wow. It was, it was, yeah. So it was, it was, it was 
it was pretty cool to Coco Beware was, and that, I remember Coco Beware because my dad was a huge fan of Coco Beware, and I remember him coming out, and my dad is like a you know just straight up like no not really the type to show emotions or anything sort of like stoic that. Stoic guy, yeah. Yeah, when Coco Beware came out, I man, my dad lost his mind. Really? <laughs> Absolutely lost his mind, man. And he, I've never seen my dad like a kid, you know. <laughs> sure, that's that's Who, really wild. This person? You know, well, that's so, a great uh, memory too, though, man. See your is. dad as you just talk yeah. about all these stories. And then Coco Beware with Frankie <laughs> the Parrot. My dad you came out of his seat. Yeah, you know. Like, wow. So, uh, and I remember at that time, like there was the front. We were sitting a couple rows back, but the the people sitting in the front row left. And I remember me and my brother just like jumped to the front row and like we gotta see this up close. So uh, wrestling, I've always been a fan of, but I don't think he ever thought. Uh, and and when I was younger watching, I didn't think it was like this is something I want to do. I don't think at that age you can make that decision. But when I got older uh, and, and the more I realized how much I loved it, I was like, I think I can actually, this is something I actually be really good at. Um, so in my head at 16, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. No matter what it takes, no matter what I have to do, that's what I'm going to do. And um, uh, when I got 21, I, I did a lot of research and I was like, okay, how do you, you got to figure out how do you, how do you go about doing this? Because it's not like a normal thing where. Right. You I, can't just go to the mall and find. Yeah. It. And be like, okay, here's a wrestling flyer. Do you want to, <laughs> who wants to be a wrestler or college, you know, with, with sports, you, you play college and it's kind of like a system that's, that's in play, but with wrestling, you don't, you don't really know how you go about doing that. So I, I, I did some research, found a school in Atlanta that was nearby where I'm from. And I saw like a bunch of names that had either passed through the school that I were trained uh, by the trainer at the time. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe this could be, a great fit. And I remember taking my dad, <laughs> I took my family to the school and it's like behind a strip club and like, yeah. in, in, <laughs> and in the hood, the middle of the hood in Atlanta, you know what I mean? And if, if you've been in Atlanta, you know, and it's a rough area in Atlanta is, 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 is as rough as it gets, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, we, we pull up <laughs> to this, uh, <laughs> WWA four behind a strip club. And I'm showing my dad, like, Hey, this is where I'm going to start training <laughs> to be a wrestler. <laughs> and he's like, in, in that moment he's going i failed yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i feel bad a- for all of our fathers who <laughs> had, to, had, he's like, to, okay. had that conversation <laughs> it's just like this is this is i guess this is what you want to do man you know it's uh you know you, I'm, I'm gonna support you in it and uh you know hopefully this this place takes you to it because it's like you walk in and the place smells like smoke and you know you just see kids in the ring and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into and you know him coming from nigeria he doesn't you know, it, it, he doesn't see this kind of thing every day. He's not in Nigeria. It's not becoming a wrestler, especially is not something that's, that's common. You know, it's not something yeah. that every day it's like, Hey, I want even here, you know, it's not, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of, a lot of extremely hard work to be uh, a sports entertainer or even a professional athlete. What, you know? So uh, <laughs> I just remember that day very, very well. And he, when I walked in there and he was kind of, I could tell by his reaction, he was like, this is like, like, what is this? This is ridiculous. Like this is, and it, you know, you see on TV too, right? You see on TV wrestling and he's looking at this warehouse behind right. the strip club. Right. It, it, anybody, <laughs> everybody expects because everybody knows WWE or That's whatever it. major company right. you see on television, which has production and lighting and sounds and, and, and hey. all these professional aspects when basically if it's not WWE or WCW you know, at the time, it's not that like that at all. It's, you don't think it's not, it's, and you have, you have a whole bunch of like different places that you may have to go through to get to where you want to go eventually one day, you know what I mean? But it's not all just what you see on TV and, and 
he didn't understand it at the time. And I, I was so just like, this is what I want to do. So I didn't even, that thought wasn't even in my head about, you know, like, you know, this place looks like a dump, but it, it to me, it didn't matter. I was like, okay, at least I get to start training the, towards the goal that I want to achieve. So, uh, best decision I made in my life, you know, it, it was, uh, I, I honestly, I sit here and I look and I, I don't know, like what else that I actually am that passionate about. And I, I would love to find something else that I'm, I'm extremely passionate about, but right now I just, and at that time I didn't, for me, it was, it was wrestling. That was it. I, I struggle with that all the time. And I'm sure Vic, you can, you can attest to this. All of us outside of this business, it is very, very hard, very hard. to be passionate about anything. I'm a fan anything. of certain True, things. Yeah. yeah. I've thought, oh man, maybe I'm going to take up guitar or maybe I'm going to yeah. study that. I'm going to go back to school and learn to be a chiropractor. It's just like, I've been so obsessed with this and, and, and gross and everybody has. So yeah. all of us in the bubble all grew up the same way. <laughs> yep, exactly. And it's cool because I think that's why we get along so well because it's like we have that same uh, appreciation. Pride and same, same passion. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's hard to just be like, okay. And it consumes so much of your life mm-hmm. where, you know, now, even though we only work one day a week during this pandemic, when you're, when you're off, it's still you're thinking about it or you're thinking about how can I, you know, how can I make this better or how can I do that? And then we talk about being on the road four days a week that's a whole nother story, you know? And then, uh, you know, at NXT training at the time too, it's like, you know, every day, Sunday is the only day we had off. It's like, this is a huge part of your life. So it's, it's, you do it for so long. And then how do you just stop and like, okay, this is my new love, you know? And I, I understand mm-hmm. that eventually it's going to, it's going to have to happen, but right now I'm just enjoying every part of it. You know, at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to find something that I am passionate about, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Like it's hard. It, it, and even back then I told my dad, I was like, man, this is, this is it for me. Like I, I, you know, when you know, you just know, like, it's like, okay, what if, what if you fail? What if this, but you know, in your heart, you know, sometimes. And I think we've all had those conversations too, man, with our we've own parents. Yeah. Like you yeah. want to yeah. do what? And you're like, exactly. no, listen, just hear me out. You don't know. Let me tell you, like, go back to the same conversation you had with your dad. Like yeah. he's trying to talk to you and teach you. Now you're doing the same thing to your kids. And all well, in hindsight, we probably should listen to our parents from 15, it's 20 years ago. <laughs> as, right. as we're having this conversation, I'm envisioning the last scene to big daddy in the courtroom where he's like, I know, I know I'm a screw up, but I won't oh, screw yeah. this up. And I'm like, you know yeah, I mean? we, we've all done that exact same thing for sure 100 100 well you know when you know you're passionate about something you know you can do it, it there's no one who can tell you otherwise when we talk about your passion and, and having it lead you in the right direction i don't mean to gloss over because i know you had a very extensive independent career you did a lot within a short period of time i should say yeah you, you, yeah. you i had just arrived in wwe right around the time i started seeing the name Uha nation all over the internet <laughs> oh yeah saw some pictures and i was like man this this dude looks pretty cool and it feels like to me overnight it does performance centers open and now we, we get to meet apollo cruz and that i think that was definitely my first exposure. Vic, was your exposure to UHA prior to WWE? Yeah, we crossed paths a few times on the NEC, of course, big time me, which he still did at NXT. No, but he was he was so humble, and you always saw uh, social media was really just starting to come around. And you know, my friends were going to other promotions that were, oh, we got to get this guy here. And then all of a sudden, one day it was, no man, he signed. He's with WWE. <laughs> he's he's headed to NXT, and it just graves to your point blink of an eye it, yeah he was there as soon as as soon as you caught any sort of buzz as far as the the independent like, wrestling world goes man it was like a whirlwind man 
who was uh, who were your contemporaries when you arrived in WWE? Your class at the piece. Man, so who did I have? I had a uh, oh, Montez Ford, um, Aaliyah down in NXT now. Yeah. And we had like at the time we we're like one of the most diverse classes, you know, in the in the NXT history signing. So it was it was a lot of a lot of guys that came in, and I remember, uh, you know, it's, it, I'm not the only one who experienced it. But it was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming in and thinking like you, you have a certain mindset. Okay, I'm gonna come in here, and like you think the first day it's like, okay, put me in the ring, let's go. But it's like, okay, you're gonna sit and watch <laughs> the beginners class train. That's it. It's a <laughs> I'm big, like, wait, hard pill to swallow. man. <laughs> You know, you're not, I was, I didn't come in arrogant and cocky, but you know, you come in thinking like, okay, I, I you know, I thought I had some little bit of buzz by me. So, you know, you think like, oh, sorry, I had a uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce were in my class too. Okay. Uh, okay. Still here. Yeah. Those are the other two. And, uh, you know, you come in thinking like, okay, I got a little bit of buzz. They're going to throw you in the ring and you're going to be on NXT TV within a couple of weeks. It does not work like that. <laughs> no, sir. It's great. Cause you're, you, you have a poster that's hanging up still in the performance center. Which I it's think is, you. Is dope. It's Corbin, you. Uh, you and Corbin from Breaking Ground. It's right there <laughs> in the office Corbin. room. You know, yeah. so it's like it's funny yeah. to me seeing it. And um, but going back to the Indies to NXT, how did the success translate or did not translate in your brain? Since you just start talking about the fact that you had to sit on the sidelines for a little bit, it, it's humbling at first, you know. And I didn't come in like I said, I didn't come in cocky arrogant, but uh, uh, it's it's very different than what you uh, on the Indies. It's like okay, you know, uh, whatever you do is good. On the Indies, you can go out there and, and wrestle for 10 minutes. You can go out and wrestle for 30 minutes. Everyone's going to love it. The promoter's going to love it. Everyone's going to love it. You get to NXT, you wrestle 10 minutes, 15, 20. Not everybody's going to have great things to say about it. It's not always going to be great. So just adjusting to that um, constructive criticism or just people being just, just straight up with you and not like sugarcoating anything. And, that, and it's the platform and it's the amount of eyes on you. Yes, it's when so you're different. on the independence, you got a little, you know, you've got you don't a realize small bubble. you don't realize how big WWE is, even if it's a developmental program until you're in it. And then you, you go, just, Yep, wow, wow, there's corners of the internet I didn't know existed and they hate me. <laughs> yeah, and it's right. like, oh wait, I didn't Man, even do anything. <laughs> that's oh, that's a thing too. It's like so NXT, I thought it's a lot of and then even we talk about like uh you know, just the amount of eyes coming to them to uh Raw or SmackDown, it, it and that even you know gets bigger where you know, the number of eyes watching and you realize like everyone loves you at a certain time and then you find people who hate you and dealing with that is, is tough where you, you read things on the internet and you're like, damn, is it like, this is how people, how could someone like, cause just growing up my whole life, everyone is, you know, everyone I encountered always liked me. It was, you know, I was always, uh, well liked by everybody. And, and, you know, especially when I got to wrestling, it was always like, oh, everything was positive. And then you get to that certain group where it's like, okay, you, this guy sucks at this or he's not good at that. And it's just people just telling you exactly how they feel unfiltered. And you're like, how can someone hate me that much? <laughs> you know, all I'm doing out here is, is I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying to be the best superstar that I can be. And, and, and you go to realize that like, again, all that stuff doesn't matter. It was almost dealing with that same kind of emotion of, uh, you know, caring too much about what people think. And, and you read all those negative comments and you have like, 30 positive comments and you see two negative comments and those two negative those comments are the ones. that stick out <laughs> stick in your out head, the most. And, just like, gee, and it, it just messes with you. And like, you know, over time you go to realize, but it, 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 it comes down to the fact that you, a lot of eyes, there's so many different people who watch this product and you don't realize that until you're actually on TV with this product. So yeah, we, it, it goes, it goes very far. So that, that adjustment is um, that's one that you won't really hear people 
or you can't explain that to anybody. You can't tell them like, Hey, this is how you're going to, this is what people are going to say. You can't, you, you can't you tell people have how to, to feel. experience it. You yeah. have to experience that. Yeah. You know, you can't, yeah, it's yeah. like telling a, a high school kid not to care about what anyway, you have to experience that. And I'm glad I did because, uh, it, it, it helps you just kind of, now I look at stuff and I laugh and I'm like, this is funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't like me. I, okay. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how quickly it seemed that you went from the independence to NXT in the WWE performance center. You had a pretty rapid ascent from NXT to the main roster when it was still called that. Yeah. Um, and I hate to, to sort of gloss over this chunk of your career, but I want to discuss with you the in-between because right now I want to get to what we're, de- what we're dealing with on Friday nights. We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to talk yeah. about the last few years of Apollo Crews career in WWE. You've had start, stop. Oh, it looks like he's going to do something up. Not quite lost in the shuffle. You've literally done just about everything that you don't want to do. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about how you've stayed strong through this period. Man, I think as far as staying strong goes, I've just always been that. My dad always said there's no substitute for hard work. And uh, I, I believe that to my core. And uh, I feel like, like I said, this is something that I, I, I'm extremely passionate about. And I know in my heart what I'm capable of and what I can do, you know, on this platform or with this platform. So, uh, man, the last five, six years is like, when you look back, people ask you, people ask me, would I have stayed at NXT? And it's not something that I can be like, oh, yeah, whatever. No, I would have because, I, you know, I don't know what would happen. What would have happened if I stayed right. You know, would I ever got the opportunity to even come to the main roster? Would I have been fired? I don't know. So it's not like anything that I really want to dwell upon. Do I think that do I wish I would have done more in NXT? Of course. You know, I would have loved to be, you know, held the title. Uh, at that time, there's so many uh, people getting caught up pretty quick, too, at the time. Uh, I wouldn't say quick, but it, it was like a lot of the guys that I was with, we were with, with, you know, getting caught up. So it was like um, a lot of people that I would have loved to have matches with, of course. but. Uh, I can't sit here and dwell on the fact that, you know, my, my times were short there. Uh, I had fun when I was there and who's going to pass up an opportunity when, you know, Triple H comes to you and says, Hey man, uh, you're debuting on Monday night raw tomorrow. Right. Well, not a soul. No, not a soul. You know what? I think I'm just going to hang here for a while. Yeah. You know, and you see people, Oh, you should have stayed in NXT. You should have done that. But like, in, in reality, like, okay, if you were in, in this person's position, my position, whoever, whoever it would have been, that was telling being told that they're going to debut on Monday Night Raw, would you have been like, no, I want to stay in NXT? And not that there's anything, you know, bad with staying in NXT at all, right. but it's like, here's this opportunity of like, okay, this is the dream. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like what I, what, what you work so hard for, you know? And of course I got here and it wasn't, I, I think I was too, too humble. I think my humbleness uh, worked against me at times, you know, I was just too happy, I think. Um, and I didn't, have the attitude of I belong here. I deserve to be here. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. think uh, I wasn't uh, relentless uh, as far as uh, in, in my pursuit to be the best superstar that I could be. I kind of just, uh, I took things as they came. I didn't really challenge anything. I didn't, uh, and I'm, I'm still kind of like that this way, but I, I, I look at things with a different mindset. But at the time it was just like, whatever you guys need me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, be a uh, utility man. Yeah, and I think that kind of worked against me. Sure. Where well, that goes back I to would. what I kind of kind of wanted to start this whole interview on instead of massaging it in of holding back your tongue, man, because <laughs> right, you and yeah. I had a lot of conversations in catering, the locker room, 
parking lots, hotels. All, all the time. And I would hear what you would say to me. And yeah. I knew how passionate you were, man. How hard was it not to just switch a gear five years ago, four years ago, three years ago and, and express that as it is now looking back? It's so it's so hard. And I look I look back in this and I see other guys coming up dealing with the same thing I did. And I tell them, I'm like, look, man, this is the mistake that I made. I'm telling you right now, I can't force you to do it, but I'm telling you, do not settle. Do not get complacent. Like, don't wait for these opportunities to come. You have to be aggressive. You have to ask questions. You have to go talk to, you have to, instead of looking back, okay, I'm not on TV today. Okay. I'm just going to sit here and, and be on my phone. Okay. Let me, let me figure out why I'm not on TV. What, what, what is, what am I doing wrong? It's not anybody else's fault. I had to take a hard look at the mirror myself and realize like, Hey, maybe you're the one who's, who's, who's messing up. You know, maybe it's not the blame shouldn't be pointed on other people. What can you do better with yourself to, to make them have to put you on TV or make them have a spot for you regularly on TV. You know what I mean? And, and I see a lot of it now and I'm like, man, guys, like I can tell you from experience, you don't want to get caught up doing, doing what I was doing. It's funny. The, the cliche gets thrown around all the time in our business about grabbing the, the brass ring. But what people seem to not realize is nobody is going to choose you to go no, get the brass ring. No, no, you no have to choosing. get it yourself. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're saying. And, and you have to. When, when when did that click? When did it click inside your brain where you said, you know what? It's my time. I'm going to do something different. Man, it was late. It was very late. So I did a uh, I did Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia. And, and watching myself in that interview was, for me, a literal literally I got to look at myself in the mirror. You know, I, I people say you got to look at yourself in the mirror, but I, I watched myself talk about my, my, my life, my upbringing, my career, everything. And at that moment, I was like, I got to do, I, it was the biggest, the greatest thing that I ever could have happened for my career was, you know, being on that on, at the time being on her podcast. Cause it, 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 I literally got to look in the mirror, like deep into my soul. You know what I mean? I'm watching myself talk about my life. And I was like, I have to do something about it. So whether it's, I got to do better with controlling what I can control. So for me, that would be, okay, how I look, you know, at the time I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm always talking about like, I, I work out and all this and that, but like, I was like, okay, let me, the next time I get on TV, I'm going to look like a million dollars and somebody's going to notice it. You know what I mean? It was like just taking things more serious and asking more questions, you know, trying to figure out, going to TV and, and, and talking to people, having conversations with people. I'm, I'm naturally a shy guy. So it's like, okay, I, you know, I got to the point where I get to TV and I'm sitting on my phone, like, okay, nothing today. Okay. I'll just sit here and Amazon order stuff on Amazon. You know what I mean? And instead of doing that, I try to replace that with, you know, having conversations with a writer, having conversations with anybody, trying to sit down and write ideas, reading books, just trying to get any kind of knowledge that I could that would help me uh, I, I've, I've been, I was never a huge reader growing up, but I've, I've started reading a lot more, um, self-empowerment books that could help me in my real life situations where it's like, okay, I may not know how to approach the situation because it's something I've never dealt with, but I have to learn that putting myself in those uncomfortable situations may be the only thing that's going to help take me to the next level. Right. You know, and if, if there's something that pops in my head or a question, there's never a dumb question. There's never anything. There's never a dumb idea, I don't think, you know, so any idea I'd get, I'd just ask like anyone, real life friends, I'd ask wrestlers, I'd ask people who I, you know, were in the position that I want to be in. I'm like, hey, how do you, 
how do you go about doing this? Or how did you go about, or how was it for you? And it's going to be different for everybody. That's the thing. You know, it's not always going to be the same. Not everybody's path is going to be exactly the same, but it was just trying to gain as much knowledge as I could to figure out how I want to do this. You know, but I, I had to first learn that maybe it's me. That's maybe I've got complacent. You know, I'm, I'm just literally sitting here coming, getting paid. I'm happy to be paid. You know what I mean? But like, that wasn't enough for me. Right. You have to take pride in what you're doing. I have to. And I want to be, I came here to be one of the best, if not the best. I can't end my career knowing that I didn't at least try. So I knew I had to do everything in my power, at least whether it worked or not. At least I knew that, hey, I did everything that I could. If I just sit here and, and, and come here and, uh, to TV and I'm sitting in the locker room, not talking to anyone, or just in my corner on my phone, that's not. And it's my fiance too, who would, you know, like, man, would be pushing me to be like, hey, look, especially now, she's like, you know, uh, like I said, I don't like having conversations, but I know I have to have them with people because it's, we're at TV one day a week right now. So she breaks it down like this to me. She's like, you work one day a week. The other days you're at home with your kids, you get to relax and do whatever you want to. But that one day a week, you're at work, be at work. So that means be go present. talk to people. Yes, yes. I, I go talk it. to people. You know that. what I mean? Don't yep. just sit around and not do anything. You're at work for one day out of the week. So be at work. And it's like, man, like when you break it down like that, because you, you get complacent and you think like, okay, you know, I, uh, I, get, I get paid weekly. I'm, I'm okay. Um, but you don't realize like this is, it's, it's a job too. It's, it's like you have to put 100% into it if you want to get that back. Man, I just just looking at myself in the mirror and realizing that maybe it's 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 not anybody else. Maybe it's me. And I just had to be honest with myself, you know. And it it went with being a father too. When this whole pandemic happened, man, it was like you know being on the road four days a week and then just coming home and being full time dad. I'm like, wait, hold up. I I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. This is a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I find myself just being. That's another thing I was doing too. Is like I'd I'd go to try to be on the road and, and you know sit in the locker room and be mad and. I'd talk to people and, and, and bitching a plane to them and wouldn't do anything about it. And then I'd come home angry. Mm. So when I come home angry, I'm already mad from work. And now anything that happens at home is making me mad. And these guys have nothing to do with what's going on at work. They don't deserve that type of treatment from me. They deserve right. me at a hundred percent as a father and as a, as a husband, they deserve everything. So I had to, when this, you know, the pandemic happened, it was like, man, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting mad. I'm being, and I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, look, man, get your together. You're, you're, you're a dad, you're a husband. Be relentless as a father. Go above and beyond and go above and beyond to be a husband. I had to check myself and be like, okay, this is your situation. Embrace it. That's a little bubble we talk about, man, that we just talked about a second ago that we all can help each other because it's, if you're not in our, our world, it's hard, to understand. it's hard to understand. You get these frustrations and then you go Man. home and you let it out on everyone else. It has nothing, nothing to, do, to with do with it. It's hard no. because it's, it's like, who do you vent to? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? When people yeah, are going sure. through the same thing that you are. And it's like, okay, like. It, it can be know, a bit of a vicious cycle for sure. It can, yeah. it can. Yeah. And, yeah. and then it's like, okay, let me look at the bright side of things. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm blessed with, with, with a family, uh, you know, uh, I, I have my dream job. This is what I dreamt of. Let's just, let's, why don't I switch the mentality of this this negative mentality of you know uh they're not using me uh blah 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 and and let's make it to a positive 
You know, well, you, definitely, you definitely turned it into a positive. Certainly you know, did. Yeah. <laughs> in in recent sure. weeks, the, the WWE universe has been able to see this new Apollo crew show them the steel, I believe was the phrase yeah. that you oh, uttered yeah. on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, what are you excited to show the WWE universe now that they may not have known? Maybe something that you've known all along that you haven't had the chance to, to utilize the platform for. What is Apollo crews looking forward to most? Man, I'll, before I do, I'll tell you this story. Uh, when I first got to the to main roster at the time, uh, John Cena was still working, and he had always, you know, pull me aside and be like, "Man, who who is Apollo Cruz? Like, we got to figure this out. Who is you know who is Apollo Cruz?" And at the time, I'm just like the generic, the most generic, like so embarrassing when I even think about it. And it's it's like, uh, well, you know, I'm this guy. I work hard, and I you know da da da. And he's like, "Well, everybody works hard. You know what I mean?" It's like, but who right. are you? And I, I couldn't answer to save my life. And it literally took me like six years. I'm like, God, I'm trying to figure out, you know, who was Apollo Cruz. And it's like, I, I didn't know, you know, and I felt so embarrassed to the point where I'd almost like avoid like <laughs> trying to have conversations with him. Cause I'm like, I know he's going to ask me again today <laughs> and I don't have an answer for him. You know, you got John Cena asking these questions and, and I'm sitting here like, I can't come up. It's like, really, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. So, um, I, I realized that, you know, it's not always about how good you are in the ring. It's like, okay, who, what, drives this person who are you you know what i mean and now it's like okay we found something that's like more than just oh here's this guy who smiles and does cool moves it's like okay now you have a purpose now it's like people something for people to get behind there's you know, a reason why now reason why and there's it's a reason like, why it's oh now i sit back and i'm like man it took me this long but I, I i get it you know what i mean and that's what i guess what people talk about about getting it and it's just like i have such a better understanding for certain things now that I can now explain to other people that may have be dealing with the same thing that I'm dealing with. I think now it's like, what I'm excited about now is to, to, to show that, to show what I'm really capable, what I know I'm capable of, you know what I mean? And it's just not some guy who's, who's, who's athletic and can come out here and do cool stuff, but Hey man, this, I can, I can really be a top player. You know what I mean? And, and I believe that deep down in my, in my heart, you know, and I'm ready to show that, you know, so um, I'm very, very excited for this, this, this new opportunity and this process. And I'm, I'm so glad just, uh, that I, you know, it was like, Hey, this might be the, it might be the, the best thing that I, because you, you see people like, and who knows where the craziest ideas come from? Like you see some of the top guys in there, who knows how they had to take that leap at one time. You know what I mean? Yes, and it's just like stepping outside of that comfort zone and being like, okay, let's try this out. And now it's like, I feel this is different. I don't feel like this is one of those, you know, start stop moments where it's like, okay, here, we're going to do something with you. And then it's like, ah, well, you know, because this depth, I feel like everybody, I understand now that there has to be that depth and, and purpose and, and, and uh, people have to understand why you are the way you are. So uh, it's, it's different and it feels really good. It's very different. Well, I can tell you from someone who's not associated with Fridays because Graves is their ringside. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go from here, man. You look like a million bucks, as you said it earlier. I'm excited for you, the man, the father that I've gotten to know. And hats off to you to continue on your grind, man, for all those conversations sure. we did have. For sure. You're excited to show it. We're all excited to see it, man. Keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. I hope to see a lot of success Apollo Cruz's way in the weeks and months to come. I pre- and you both of you guys, man, honestly, but always from day one, man. Right on, man. Well, hey, man, we're excited to give you a platform. I know you and I and Vic and you have had these conversations a million times in cars and not on camera, but uh, it's exciting for the whole world to get to hear these stories that, that you, you're probably tired of telling at this point. But <laughs> No, I never, you, I never you, get tired of it. 
You are always <laughs> welcome on ATB, man. The best of luck in the immediate and long-term future. Uh, I'm excited to see what you're capable of, man. Bring it. Thank you. And I appreciate you guys having me, honestly, man. Thank you very much. Next time, I may not be this nice. Thank so, you. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. We'll savor this one for now. <laughs> All right, no doubt. Take care, guys. Man, that was fun. Another dude that I have super high hopes for, Apollo Cruz. Thanks for joining ATB. Vic, we made it. A supersized episode of ATB, the new WWE <sighs> champion and potentially a future WWE champion, maybe universal champion if he has his way, Apollo Cruz. And he only yelled at me once, by the way. Well, I mean, you're getting better. That's growth. That's huh. progress. Fair enough. Well, speaking of growth and progress, I have the ATB question of the week. Are you ready for this one? I am entrusting you with the keys. <sighs> All right. Deep breath. Woosah. We heard from Bobby Lashley to start the show, the brand new WWE champion. So I throw it out there. We talked about it a week ago. We heard from the champ himself. Dream scenario this week. Who do you want to see Bobby Lashley defend his WWE championship against? Could be on Raw, could be uh, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. You pick the scenario. It's your dream. Drew McIntyre. Is it a multi-man match? Is it Brock Lesnar? Is it The Undertaker? You figure it out. You send us the tweet. That's my question of the week, Graves. I think I did. I think it was pretty impressive. Uh, let's see All how right. it goes. I mean, the power is now in the hands of the ATB listeners who can join the conversation using the hashtag after the bell. Follow the show at after the bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves and my partner at Vic Joseph WWE. If you use Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. Throw us a whole bunch of stars. If you're using Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never, ever miss an episode. Keep up with all your favorite WWE podcasts on the network at WWE Podcasts on all social media platforms. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment. Fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun.